Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one and all to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show where we like to talk about football. A reminder before we get started though that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. My name, RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog of the boys where we cover the Dallas Cowboys with me as always our fantastic producer, Rachelle Prevett. Normally across the hall from me, so to speak, is Pete Sweeney from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride. But Pete is absent today, playing a little bit of hooky. So we have brought in uh, somebody from an AFC West blog that uh, is actually going to win the division, perhaps, in 2022. The managing editor, head honcho, editor-in-chief, leader extraordinaire from SB Nation's Bolt from the Blue. It is Michael Peterson, not Baker Mayfield. If you're watching us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel, you can also, of course, listen uh, to the SB Nation NFL show where you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Baker, how you doing? I'm fantastic. I don't know if I've ever gotten Baker Mayfield before. Um, what do you mean? I've I've said I it think, to you. Is before. that what you what did? Are... That yeah, okay. That I yeah. guess that makes sense to a little bit. Uh, but you know, besides the whole Baker thing, that was an extraordinary introduction. I don't think I've ever been called so many things, positive things in a row like that um, to my face. So I really appreciate that, and uh, glad to be here. Michael, uh, it's it's Monday, Football Monday. So I wanted to ask you, what is the thing you ate over the weekend that you are most proud of? Um, honestly, I, I broke out this uh, Blackstone griddle that I got from my brother-in-law. Oh my. Um, and he, so why I'm proud of it is because we got it for free. He doesn't need it anymore, but he left it out in the winter uncovered. And so I had to basically like reseason it, restore it before I could even touch it. So like several days passed of me just working on this thing. And then I was finally able to put, you know, brats, burgers, and just like, you know, the whole shebang on there and actually be able to cook on it in general. So, uh, I'm proud of it just because of all the work it took me to even get to that point. Uh, Michael Peterson is uh, quite the handyman. So this isn't, you know, shocking by any means. Um, and when you say winter, like winter for you is a different thing than, than it is for normal people. Um, because you, um, you know, I'm not going to give away like your latitude and longitude coordinates or anything, but like you, um, you live in one of the colder parts of the country. We'll just say, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Midwest you know? is, is pretty cold. Um, I'd say that it's actually quite uh, striking right now. The temperature, it's going to touch a hundred today where I am. Um, so it's a bit wow. crazy, but no, those, those winters, which are about, eight months out of the year or, or something else. Um, you know what? Good for the Midwest. But, you know, it's it. I think the Midwest is the most boring part of the country. Like, it doesn't have a redeeming quality. It's not, you know, on the edge at all. It's soft um, is really um, how, how I would put it. Uh, Michael, today we're going to talk about things that we haven't talked about this offseason. In fact, uh, the prompt is things we forgot happened over the offseason. We've obviously talked about 
Russell Wilson being traded, Devontae Adams being traded, Aaron Rodgers not being traded. The spirit of this idea is 10 things, a list of five from me, a list of five from you that we basically forgot happened, buried underneath the um, the headlines uh, from everybody else. Would you like to begin? You are our guest of honor after all, and you are battling for the MF double MVP. Remember that always. Yeah, so uh, I really like this idea because, you know, it, it actually was uh, more difficult than I thought because all the things that get ingrained in your head are the things you see on the headlines and on ESPN and everywhere else over and over and over again. So you're like, well, what didn't happen, right? And uh, this one actually came to mind um, pretty quickly, and it, it happened kind of in real time. I recently got my hair cut, um, and th- good. This, player, good. this player walked in as I was sitting in my chair. Um, it was Irv Smith Jr., the tight end from the Vikings. So I'm getting my cut in, walks in, he's got the Viking pants on. And I'm like, this guy looks really familiar. I don't know where he's from. And finally it clicked because I remembered that I spent a first round pick on him in a trade and won a dynasty league last year mm. um, before his injury. And so it all kind of came rushing back. And then that's when I was reminded, oh, he's coming back from injury. I'm going to get this player. I totally forgot about this. So he's my number one, uh, a guy that was set to start, you know, Kyle Rudolph was let go by the Vikings set to start alongside Jefferson Thielen going to have a nice really uh, really clean trio of pass catchers um, for the Vikings and unfortunately we didn't get to see that we didn't get to see that he had a very good year in 2020 just in seven starts five touchdowns looked really good um, but that's my first one him coming back I'm stoked about it that's awesome um, there is the like there's nothing that you can talk yourself into more than like the dynasty tight end that you trade for yep. Um, like so many people have traded for Evan Ingram and gotten burnt. Um, this year I traded up to draft Trey McBride and I'll probably get burnt. Like, you know, it's just the, the way it goes. Um, I like this one because there are a lot of players, um, like, like sticking in the NFC East for a moment, like Brandon Graham got hurt last year, like very early on. And you just like, forget, like it's a, it's a lost season for so many guys in that sense. Like, you know, it, it feels like the most dramatic thing in the world when your team loses a player, this didn't, wasn't the same thing, but like, you know, in week two, but by the time you get to like, even like week eight, you're like, what happened? Like, I forgot that player existed. Um, so this is a really good one. Um, what are you expecting for him? I mean, because this offense now runs like more than it did at that point in time, runs through Justin Jefferson. And like the Vikings offense is kind of sick. Like, I don't think we talk about it enough. Like you got Irv Smith coming back. You've got Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen as your wide receiver too is not a bad situation at all. Dalvin Cook. I mean, like, and Kirk Cousins is perennially, you know, underrated and slept on. Like, that's a nice offense. No, I expect a really good season from him. I think he's such a versatile player and he's he's rather on the smaller side. I believe he's, he's like a true 6'2 playing tight end in the NFL, which you don't see a lot of. But this guy can move man he's got a lot of giddy up he's kind of that traditional i guess h-back type of player that can move around the formation um and he's kind of like their main yak guy i remember the first time i was really surprised by him is i think it was in 2019 he had a touchdown catch where he kind of like outbodied derwin james um, when derwin had come back you know for missing so many games and it was just like wow this guy's got some talent this guy can just do it he just looks like a natural ball carrier or ball player i believe his father played in the nfl if i have that correct as well so he's got some you know that type of blood running through his veins as well i mean again it's tough to see him really break out when you've got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson right on the same field. Same with Dalvin Cook. But I mean, uh, Tyler Conklin still got a good amount of looks this past year, despite him being a much more limited athlete. So, I mean, he had 365 and five touchdowns in 2020. Uh, that was just in seven starts. If this guy's starting, you know, upwards of 16, 17 games, I mean, I don't know how he doesn't push for maybe even a thousand yards receiving, maybe even seven, eight touchdowns. I expect a lot of good things from him this year. I really like this one. This is a good note to start on. Much better note than Pete normally gets us off on. So again, uh, bolts from the bolts from the blue, the superior AFC West blog. Um, your home for Los Angeles Chargers content. Um, so I'm going to. I had an order that I was going to go, but I 
like a true talisman, I'm I'm willing to adapt and adjust because I can't not say this one after you brought that one okay. up, Michael. Um, something I feel like we forgot happened. I mean, like we we've talked about all the quarterbacks, et cetera, and I did mention him um, a moment ago. But Kirk Cousins got an extension with the Vikings, oh. a one year extension. Like we like that's totally buried in the lead of everything else. And because Kirk is this meme, like I think so many people just dismiss him in their mind of like he sucks, he's trash, he's terrible, blah blah. Like th that was such. I mean, again, that's your neck of the woods. So obviously you you get a lot of like Vikings coverage. But like when when Kevin O'Connell got hired, there was this this like fork in the road. Is he either going to like fully recommit to Kirk due to their past together, or are they going to move on from him? And they doubled down. They they truly doubled down on Kirk. And so I I you know we make so much about like um and and I can certainly tell you like I see a lot of this like. Aaron Rodgers won the Mike McCarthy fight that he had, right? Like, I think Kirk won the Mike Zimmer fight. Like, we don't give him credit for, like, winning out there. That's good. I mean, you know, Kellen Mond probably pretty happy about that, but Kirk Cousins was the one who won between that two those two people. Yeah, I have to agree. Kirk Cousins is, like you said, I, does he deserve the meme status? I think so to a degree, but at the end of the day, he's an underrated quarterback because he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. He does make enough plays to, to, to will his team to victory sometimes, but he is the author of some plays that – I think a lot of fans are ready and willing to jump on to say like, oh, that's why we're not winning games is because Kirk Cousins makes those types of plays way too often. But they they'll say that and totally ignore the fact that he throws for single digit interceptions all year. He barely pushes 10 sometimes. Um, overall, I think he's a phenomenal player that that keeps them in a lot of games because, I mean, they've had great offensive talent on um, the defensive side of the ball has been lacking quite a bit. Um, I, I kind of know that from a Chargers fans perspective, perspective as well, because you know, sometimes the quarterback can only do so much, right? Um, I think he's potentially going to have another big year, especially, like we said, Smith coming back from injury. Um, but overall, I like his chances this year. I'm really excited about it. I'm a little concerned for my uh, my chances at MFWMB because it feels like it looks like on the surface, like I piggybacked off of you, right. Michael, with my first one because of the nah. of the order. Because I was a gentleman and I let you go first. Um, Rachel, just keep that in mind. I was, no, it was, I was a, a seamless gentleman. transition. I mean, like when one Viking mm. sings or the other, let's, let's get that content out of the way before we kind of start springing around the NFL. Okay, what else you got then, Michael? So we're each one in, uh, two-tenths of the way through our things we forgot happened this offseason. Okay, so this next one, I just, I was scrolling through trying to figure out this list. So you go to like, well, who signed where this offseason, just to see if there's anybody that like popped out and gave me that feeling. And this one definitely did. And this was O.J. Howard now plays for the Bills. Um, O.J. <laughs> Howard, like, you know, I, I thought he was going to be. They, they got the wrong Buccaneers tight end, the Bills. Apparently, team, right? right. Like, because. I have all the rumors, right, for sure. So, like, I saw this one, and I'm like, wasn't O.J. Howard, like, going to be really good for the Bucks? And I was like, oh, yeah, Rob Gronkowski signed with them, and then Cameron Brate was still a thing. And so that that the team ended up not being a good position for him, right, because he kind of got buried behind you know, with a couple other really talented tight ends. And so I was like, oh, wow, he's with the Bills, you know, Josh Allen. But, oh, wait, they got Dawson Knox. But, like, that, that duo is a very, you know, physically intimidating tight end group, right? Like, I believe it was in 2021. I mean, he was limited to, or from 2020 to 2021, his last two seasons, only 10 starts. He had an Achilles tear injury um, in 2020. It's really limited him the past two seasons. But from 2017 to 2019, I mean, he put up 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, almost 100 catches. Like, this was a, a very good young tight end that I think a lot of people expected um, to do very well and just be a very good NFL player. Um, but unfortunately, injuries kind of came in. And now I think he's in a good place to hopefully revitalize his career. I think Josh Allen likes throwing to the tight ends. And and like Dawson Knox broke out. I mean, nine touchdowns, almost 600 yards this past season. He's going to be targeted by defenses. So I think this is a great place for Howard to step in and have a little bit of a resuscitation um, in 2022. 
I really, really, really like this. Um, I thought about including on my list, and I guess this is still the TBD thing that Rob Gronkowski did not sign with the Bengals. Uh, remember, like there was all that chatter that like he said, "Oh, I really like Joe Burrow." Like Bengals fans have quickly asserted themselves into the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, inserted themselves. I guess is, is the proper terminology. Um, the OJ Howard thing, like I'm not like trying to compare situations, but doesn't it feel like somewhat? Again, different things, different paths, but like similar to Julius Thomas in Denver with Peyton Manning. Like, couldn't you see that kind of like effect? Like, just like this monster red zone target. Like, you know, he's he's a different red zone target or red zone weapon than Stephon Diggs or even Dawson Knox or even Josh Allen himself. Like, I mean, if at some point you have to take away something for you know from the Bills, like OJ Howard's going to squeak through. Like, I really like this. I could think I could see that's the tight end you need to trade for, Michael and Dynasty. Like, what are you wasting your time on Irv Smith for? Well, to be honest, I actually have Dawson Knox in a, in a, in a league as well uh, so i mean i don't want to double up on buffalo tight ends because i've been waiting for this dawson knox breakout and it finally happened so mm. i'm stoked wow that sucks on on the subject of evan ingram because i have him um he changed teams this offseason too this is like the renaissance here for tight ends he's now at jacksonville jaguar but i could totally see oj howard like he's a priority now you know like and i feel like because you're right like we always thought like oh this is gonna happen he was awesome at alabama and he had like in the national championship he had that whatever it was like 60 yard touchdown i mean like it just made so much sense that he was gonna be the five the first you know that 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 never happens like i guess we're Kyle Pitts might still be the one, but like you never see the full translation from college to the NFL. And it felt like the moment that OJ Howard is finally going to get his time to shine was when Tom Brady showed up and then like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin just went super saiyan. And so like that really pushed him down the path. Even Scotty Miller like was a bigger part of the offense than OJ. And Gronk showed up and the real, like when when Brady showed up, there were, every buck was like, all right, cool. My life just got better, except for OJ Howard. He was the one dude when Brady brought his best friend that everything changed for him. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny you say that because you didn't include like Cam Brate wasn't bummed out because he's just like well i'm kind of just he was once a fantasy tight end too right yeah totally because i think he just knew like well you know i'm not going to be the starting tight end but like i'm going to get my looks because i'm cam bray and it's just kind of what happens from year in a year out i don't have to be the starting tight end like quarterbacks just seem to love me my coaches seem to love me they're going to find a way to get me the ball in in times where it matters so he was just like i'm cool i'll get my you know 25 30 40 catches a year and uh be straight with it Mm. Very, very good. Um, like I said, I'm very worried about my uh, my chances at, at MF Double MVP. Um, it's my job to make everything about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, you know, I, I don't mind that that's my job. But uh, so this this isn't really about the Cowboys, but because I feel like we've only focused about the Cowboys portion of my second thing. Um, we've talked so much about them trading away Amari Cooper and how if you look at every other receiver that I'm not putting Amari in the Devonte Tyreek category or whatever, but like so AJ Brown, even Hollywood Brown, like they all went for premium draft capital and the Cowboys effectively got just a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper, um, which, you know, signifies that they just wanted to move on, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the part that I feel like we have forgotten is Amari has now been traded twice in five years. Like that's, He's, he is like a very good player. Like, I don't, I don't know where you or I or wh- whoever ranks him. I don't know if anybody thinks he's the 10th or 12th, whatever best wide receiver in the NFL. But he, I, he's somewhere in that neighborhood. And that player has been given up on twice in, in the last five years. Every other receiver who moved on or was moved on from their team this offseason, there was some like mutual you know, situation, right? Like Devontae wanted to leave Green Bay. Tyreek wanted to leave Kansas City. AJ Brown wanted out of Tennessee. Hollywood Brown wanted out of Baltimore. Like there was, you know, there was something that happened on both sides of that discussion. That didn't happen with Amari. There was just Dallas giving up on him. Oakland gave up on him. Like that's such a weird thing. I mean, he's a very interesting person, but I think that's really, really, really interesting. Yeah, I'd say so. He, uh, 
I always see him grouped together with people like Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams Adams in terms of like the best route runners in the NFL, the, beer, right. the best pure route runners that um, if you line up one-on-one with these guys, you know he's going to get open. You know he's going to be able to make a play. And the thing is the way like he's in that group, I see it all the time. But the thing is when they talk about Adams, when they talk about Allen, um, they're like, you wouldn't trade almost anything for these guys, right? Because these people are invaluable. They're the third down heroes. You know, they're, they're chain movers. Um, these are things that he, they play a role, not just like be a good receiver, but um, they help a team's offense move, keep consistently going. Um, and sometimes that's the difference between losing and winning some games, you know, making that one play to help move the chains in an important moment. So you're like, he's very important to whatever offense he plays. Mm-hmm. So what are we missing behind the scenes? It's got to be behind the scenes, right? I mean, he's not publicly coming out here and saying some wild stuff. Um, I don't know if he's just he's just falling in the wrong situations. Teams that maybe just are a little bit pinched for money, a little bit more than these other ones who are able to keep their receivers that that play the similar role. I mean, I don't know what it is. I think he's a great guy. I remember him coming out of Alabama and seeing all the documentaries and little um, bits about him and how hard he works and the type of student he was and all this stuff. And absolutely phenomenal person. So like, what could it be? I really can't think of a reason why. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. I don't think he's costing too much money. I think he was making the same amount of money as, as Keenan Allen is right now, which obviously isn't breaking the bank for the Chargers. So it's very, very interesting. I think the, the Browns are going to be super happy with him. Um, but I don't know what these other teams are thinking. I don't either. I mean, at least the Raiders, though, got a first round pick for him. Like, you know, I mean, granted, they spent it on Jonathan Abram. So it's not like it really worked out. But I mean, still, like, um, I mean, they got premium capital for him. I just, he's not like, you know, last week, the Tyreek Hill comment um, about preferring to uh, over Mahomes and, you know, that was blown up, but still like, that's, that's not out there from Amari. Like he's not, he's not like your, you know, your vintage diva wide receiver, the the way the position is stereotyped, but the only, the only criticisms of him, I think that, that exists from, from a Cowboys slant, like Cowboys fans are that he doesn't have like a dog in him. He doesn't have a fight. Like he doesn't, you know, get up for like, big road games. And then, um, you know, all Michael Peterson does, if anybody wants to follow him is talk about, uh, politics in case you're curious. Uh, so he is all down this path. Amari did not get vaccinated last year. So that was like a thing he had to miss, uh, the chiefs game because of that. So there was, you know, I mean, that, that conversation has gone a million different ways. Again, Michael Peterson's Twitter, uh, account <laughs> is full of thoughts on vaccination. Um, so you can head on over there, uh, at uh, zone tracks, uh, is where you can get all of the latest vaccination discussion. Uh, isn't that true, Michael? I will never recover from that slander. <laughs> I don't have the followers to uh, to throw out there. I don't. I don't have the leeway, the room for error. So I don't know if you just damaged my my worth by doing uh, that. But number three for you, uh, I assume it's not vaccination related. Um, why every player in the NFL should be... no? Okay, we're not going to. Let's see, number three. So this is kind of along. Actually, no, we're gonna, we're not going to do because this was another like, oh, this player landed here. We're going to go. Oh, I love this. I love this. Ca- call it an audible. OK, we're switching to audible. I just I don't want to be that guy. I'm, this is my first time here. We're not going to be that guy. Um, this is one where it was I was sitting on the couch one day and I just had the thought of I wonder what happened to that guy. Um, Anthony Lynn, former Chargers uh, head coach, <laughs> is now the running backs coach in San Francisco. No idea. So no idea. He was that was the same position he held in Detroit last year, right? He was the offensive coordinator. I was okay. So he was, but he was on this on Dan Campbell's yes, staff. Yes, yes, he was on Dan Campbell's staff. So yeah, he was hired by Dan Campbell um, to be the the offensive coordinator. But if you remember, he got offensive coordinator or like not full duties, but like play calling duties stripped from him mid season because mm-hmm. that's just how poorly the Lions started out on offense. Um, and then like I don't know. I guess I don't know why I thought he would have been there a second year after essentially you you got your duties taken away. The main thing that you do as an offensive coordinator, like why he would stick around, I guess. 
but there was a very quiet departure from Detroit, right? He just he was still on the staff. Like people still respect him as a as a locker room type guy, as, as mm-hmm. a, um, an assistant, all the things that he can do for young players and uh, stuff like that. But um, I just didn't hear that he was let go. And so for me to say like, you know, just feel like Wikipedia him real quick and seeing that, oh my, oh, he's the running backs coach in, in San Francisco. He's also assistant head coach in San Francisco. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, the respect they have. He's not just coaching running backs. Um, you know, Shanahan wants him next to him, his right-hand man. Uh, so to speak, because he trusts him and believes in what he can do. So I just thought that was crazy. But I mean, the two years ago, he was the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. And then he was OC. And that lasted less than a year, basically. And now he's a running backs coach in San Francisco. So um, I just thought that was crazy. Interesting. It's just quite the fall, right, from being a head coach. And it's really quiet. Like, I feel like normally, you know, like, just as like, I mean, living in my world, like Jason Garrett joined the NBC, not even like, he's not even like their color analyst. Like he just joined their studio show last week and it's like headlines everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, but, and you know, it's part of it's the effect of the Cowboys. But so like, my point is like, like recent head coaches generally get tracked, you know, or like, or have announcements like that a company like moves. And that is interesting. I do think um, that like, if you're an NFL staffer being the running backs coach for the 49ers is probably the one that like requires the least amount of responsibility, which is like maybe where Anthony Lynn needs to be like, just like, just let everything be. And like you're saying, I mean, I can see Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. Like he's like, Hey, Anthony Lynn, like people respect you. Like you have a great impact on players. Like come in and just, just be that guy. Like, you know, just, just like be the dude who like holds the locker room together. Uh, because as you, you know, obviously know better than I do, um, tasking him with NFL related responsibilities, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I guess when you remember just how quickly things fell apart with the Chargers, his final two seasons, uh, 2018, remember 12 and four, uh, they won a playoff game for the first time in five years, like Chargers were on top of the world, right? Anthony Lynn was the guy that everyone thought he was going to be after they took the risk and hired him. Um, but the next thing you know, they followed that year up with a five and 11 season. And then, you know, they have to win four straight games to finish the 2020 season to finish seven and nine. I mean, like they were this close from being a much worse team at the end of the 2020 season. So and obviously all that was littered with game management mistakes. I mean, just boneheaded, roll your eyes, can't believe what you're looking in front of your, uh, you know, what what you're seeing in front of your face as he, you know, pitched uh, fourth quarter leads over and over and over again. I mean, I think they were the first NFL team in history, I want to say, to blow uh, 16 or 17 point leads in like three games in a four game span or something like that. Like it was absolutely insane. Like no team has been worse in this three game stretch at blowing fourth quarter leads than Anthony Lynn was as a head coach of the chargers. So it's not surprising, I guess, to see him fall off so quickly after basically making his own form of bad history. Um, an interesting note, Michael comes to us from Rob Stats Guerrero, who obviously covers the Niners for us, um, at Niners nation, who's watching, or I don't know if he's watching or li- he can't be listening live. So he has to be watching live. Um, so uh, maybe give stats a wink in the camera if you want, Michael. Uh, but he brought this up. Um, he said that the 49ers old running backs coach is Bobby Turner, who's taking a year off due to medical issues and hmm. he's supposed to be back next year. So what happens to Anthony Lynn then? That's a really interesting, like wrinkle to this is like, yeah. is he just, is he just here for like a rental sort of like, is he just. Just he, is he just assistant head coach at that? Like, is the running backs part of the, of his like title just like temporary, and he just fades into like you know kind of team overall management? That'd be weird. I, I think that'd be very weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he would really want to to fade into you know irrelevancy at that point. But you're right. I mean, if Turner comes back, and uh, I don't know why you wouldn't want your old guy who've been doing a phenomenal job uh, with that position. It seems like Anthony Lynn's obviously the odd man out. Maybe they find you know maybe he's the, I don't know the chaplain or just another role where he can help like you know guide players but you know at that point that's weird it is it's a very interesting wrinkle Mm. um okay so i'm calling an audible again this is going to be my last one but um sticking on the subject of coaching news um do you know how many new head coaches there are in the nfl 
Uh, I think it was upwards of, God, I want to say like 13. Is that crazy? It seems really high. No, that's a, li- that's a little bit too much. Okay. Your coffee's a little strong this morning. Um, I don't know what happened on the the skillet or whatever it was. I had actually had brats yesterday myself. So a good br- brats are better than hot dogs, by the way. Like, I don't know anyone. Yeah. I don't even like hot dogs. Like, who who enjoys hot dogs? But um, anyway, uh, nine. Nine new head coaches. Yeah, that was my second quarter. That was my second yeah. choice. <laughs> so uh, nine new coaches in the NFL. Do you know how many of them have never been coaches at the NFL level before? Um, head coaches, to be honest. Honestly, I think eight no again little you know wow little, little, little sh- i just i, I was thinking strong. lovey smith off the top of my head i was trying to be quick with it you know and i just that's cool i respect the like you know you're the you're the kid who wants to turn in the test first you, you know but your parents like just, michael just double check your work like, I you know what i mean like with, uh, <laughs> that I, think about I, it. Totally, I totally feel you uh six six of them are actually five i'm sorry five of them are first time head coaches um the mcdaniels mcdaniel thing threw me off but um so like if we just put the coaches the new nine new coaches in a box and we said who's the best one i think it's doug peterson and i feel like we just like forget or overlook maybe that's maybe that's a different thing than forgetting that the jaguars hired uh, the dude who won the super bowl five years ago and and he did it you know with a you know at the time what, what was a really talented quarterback and I think we have like this is kind of like a twofer. We've kind of like forgotten that Trevor Lawrence was like the chosen one. Like he was the the highest, you know, regarded prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, like, so that combination of things, I know he doesn't have like his precious Frank Reich, and everybody only attributes the good things that happened in Philadelphia in that run to Frank Reich. But that's I I feel like we're over and like they they're in a division that is certainly very winnable, whose whose winning team last year really regressed in the Titans. I mean, like, I, I think things are coming up for Duval County. Yeah, I got to say that is uh, is quite something to forget that Doug Peterson obviously won a Super Bowl and um, um, being able to have him now lead a team that's kind of been in the dumpster of the NFL for for quite some time. Um, you got a lot of things to be excited about. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, you're right. Like, I think people were real quick to write off Trevor Lawrence to a degree um, just because he simply didn't set the NFL on fire as a rookie. Right. Right. Like, not everyone could be Justin Herbert. And I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing to ever compare him to. Right. Justin Herbert being as amazing as he is. But anyway, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Right. Like it's. I, I think he's the guy. I think he is the guy for Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got some players coming back, um, including a running back that I may cheat a little bit will be my next one. We kind of talked about him returning from injury. Big deal there. Um, but again, I mean, you've got playmakers around him. You've got good defensive players coming in. Josh Allen, um, obviously, is returning um, as an edge rusher on the other side of the ball. Um, phenomenal player. Uh, got some other guys in the draft. I, I think this is a, a good base foundation to to add a head coach such as Doug Peterson to, I guess, as I'm just trying to say a roundabout way. Um, they've got a good foundation. They've got players and a lot of potential. So you take a guy like Doug Peterson, who's just proven, right? Like there's nothing as valuable as a proven head coach who's done it before because the biggest thing is, yeah, you could bring another guy in, but he's a mystery box, right? Like it could even be a boat, that type of quote, you know, um, but, or you could just pick, the guy who's done it before, who knows what it takes. Because um, teams do it all the time with veteran players, right? They love bringing in guys who won Super Bowls elsewhere. And they always say leading up to the season, well, we got this guy. He knows what it takes. This guy knows what it takes. Doug Peterson knows what it takes. So being able to take him, put him on this Jaguars team, I think it's a, it's a big deal. And it really gives this franchise hope, which I think is the starting point for any football team trying to turn around. It's just, does your fan base have hope? Does the team have hope? And then you go up from there. I, I really like the Jaguars. I don't know um, what their odds are at this point, but they obviously get six games against the AFC South. They play the NFC East this year. They get to play the Jets. Like, you know, they get a last place schedule. Like, I really, really, really like the Jaguars, like, to overperform. Like, whatever. I don't know. Again, I don't know what their over-under is, but I would take the over without knowing it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. 
As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, so we're both three in. Number four for you, Michael. Um, are you piggybacking off of me? Are you give, are you currying me favor with Rachel? Yeah, I am going to piggyback off you. You just keep tossing these softballs to me, and I mm-hmm. just feel wrong to not attempt to um, hit that thing out of the park. So, um, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I kind of mentioned, this this feels like cheating because you gave it to me as an example before we did this. But Travis Etienne is returning from injury as well, um, and I felt like I had to do this because similar to my Irv Smith Jr. Uh, want to start this off. I spent in two different dynasty leagues my first round pick on Travis Etienne. So this is a big deal for me. I was excited about him coming out before I ever like, you know, had investments in him in fantasy. So he's coming back. And again, he's getting a lot of hype. I believe our uh, Big Cat Country, their links post this morning was about whether Travis Etienne can play that Debo Samuel-esque role for the Jaguars. And and I certainly think he can. I think he's he's one of the rare, versatile um, talents coming up, you know, first year, uh, second year players and kind of in that group. Um, And again, he's playing with his college quarterback. Like there's, there's natural synergistic energy going around the Jaguars right now. And at first, you know, I think people probably didn't like the fact that they spent uh, one of their first round picks on a running back when they had two, you know, two years ago picks in that top round, but he's a talented player. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, you look at Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler again, not to just poke the chargers in here, but like their relationship and what they're able to do and just be trustworthy within one each other, one another, excuse me. Um, I just think it's huge for an offense being able to move the chains. I mean, Phillip Rivers and whoever he was throwing to, you know, as check downs was a big deal. Obviously, they were trying to throw back into games most of the time. But like that relationship, I just think is really important, especially for a young quarterback um, who maybe is still finding the confidence to let it rip down the field or in the intermediate level. And obviously, we know Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, but, you know, he's still young and in the NFL. It's a whole different ballgame than college. So I really like him returning from injury. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, yeah, I'm stoked about it. I. I think he might be the most forgotten player um, because he like he he had never played in the NFL before. Like so th- I think there's going to be a lot of like, you know, well, this is really Travis Etienne's rookie season. You know what I mean? Like because he didn't have, you know, like that that takes going to be like flying around everywhere. Um, I guess he's technically eligible to win comeback player of the year. Um, so maybe a, a potential candidate for that if he, I don't know, rushes for like 1,200 yards. If he has like an Austin Eckler sort of season, if there isn't, you know, a quarterback who has a shinier one. Um, I, I agree. I think it's valuable. We make a, such a big deal about quarterbacks playing with their teammates um, that happen to be wide receivers. their collegiate teammates. Obviously, you know, this is a little bit different. Um, it, it makes sense. You're right. The like first round pick thing. I mean, you know, running backs don't matter. Like that argument will never go away. Um, but he he is truly the most forgotten player. He was the first player I saw like that I saw a picture of 
that had adopted or uh, had rather leaned into the NFL's rule change that allowed uh, skill position players to wear different numbers, uh, wearing number one. And I hate it. I really, again, it really, really bothered me. Um, and so, like, I, I've overlooked that specific detail here. Uh, but Travis Etienne, there are so many people who I think who, who have dynasty shares in him that were super pumped that have been patient. And I want I want those people like you to feel vindication. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But I, I don't want to pass this over because I think I, I heard you right, which was, are you not a fan of the single digit? Like the number changes? Oh, I hate it. Dude. Really? I hate I, I hate it. Like, it's so stupid to me. And I like the I hate everything about it. I hate, you know, things not being normal. What I really, really, really hate is like when I don't like Trayvon Diggs is number seven now, right? Like I hate when he's lined up against a receiver that wears number seven. That is so stupid to me. Like that is so dumb that you have two number sevens going up against each other, like or two number ones or two number tens or whatever. That is so dumb. I hate. So this. is it based in like tradition? Like you just don't. Like, yeah. Okay. Because like I was just yeah. gonna ask if you're like because a lot of people that say uh, you know how are they gonna be how's the quarterback gonna be able to identify the Mike linebacker and stuff like that? And I'm like, do you guys understand that in college? This this is the way it is. Anyone can wear any number almost at any position. And all these quarterbacks yeah. who are coming into the NFL have to be able to say, look, they they just point to the guy and like, yeah, number nine is the Mike linebacker. How do I know that? Because I play football. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, I hate those type of arguments. Like, they just think the game's going to get screwed up and players are going to, what, play worse because they don't understand that a player lined up in a certain position could just be that position despite the number. Like, it's it's a whole thing. I just want to make sure. That's all I'm saying. No, no, no. I, and I know Brady got roasted for that last year. I do, like partly sympathize with him because he's been in the nfl forever you know what i mean so like he he's like adjusted to that but you're right like if if joe burrow were to come out and be like how am i supposed to do it's like dude like you know you're not that far removed from like doing that consistently at, at the collegiate level um but yeah i hate it from like a traditionalist standpoint like I, I, there's some and to be very very clear here i have long hated that receivers have worn numbers in the teens like put put my receivers in the 80s in fact i've said this before i think john mechie the third rookie of the year because you know what michael he had a lot of options and he chose number 88 that is the sign of a truly grounded wide receiver in today's nfl that's fair so. that's totally fair I agree. um speaking of receivers uh my number four um this does kind of feel like forgotten and in, in like unlike anything we've, we've said so far just like in an insignificant way like i think people have forgotten because nobody really cared like it was such a like a letdown the saints got all involved in the draft and it was like who they trade they're gonna trade up for kenny pickett blah, blah blah and then they like basically did everything they did for chris olave like i mean i really like chris olave but it was like it, I, I don't know like i i feel like if it was an, a different situation like there would be all this like outward pressure on chris olave well the saints did everything they did to, to move up to get you because they really believe, like but nobody really cares like it's the saints so in a weird way chris olave is sort of like emblematic for the saints entire offseason like they have kind of faded into obscurity they like they were a team there, there are i mean you know this because you cover the chargers and the chargers haven't gotten a lot of national love for a long time but there are teams who like always get national love and you have your like your cowboys or whatever but like the saints had graduated into that tier over the you know drew Brees era and i feel like they're starting to kind of fall out of it a little bit and i think chris olave represents that yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like, obviously, Drew Brees was was the beacon that that kind of shined out for the Saints. Right. And the thing about what made the rest of the players on the Saints exciting, especially offensive players, was because oh, Drew Brees is throwing them the football, which means like the expectations for them were always high. And I mean, I would say that Alvin Kamara is being talked about the least amount I think he's been since he entered the NFL. And I think he's what mm. two seasons away from like rushing for six touchdowns in a game and doing incredible things, and he's still that you know that consistent player. But it's like, oh, well, you know, they just lose a franchise quarterback that they had for, you know, double digit seasons. And next thing you know, every player for some reason 
I guess in, in like the, the fans way, they just like stop being amazing just because obviously the guy isn't that great. Who's maybe throwing them the football. So I guess I understand that to a point. Um, didn't the Saints end up picking Trevor Penning though? They did. They did. Also, but like, one, right. The, yeah. That was the second pick. But so like, but the, so the beginning of it was like the Chris Olave thing was like, this was it. Like this, this now, like that's how I associate it in my okay. mind. Cause it was like, okay, this is the, you know, like when they were on the clock, it was like, okay, what, what did you do? Like, what was your big grand plan? Mm -hmm. And it was like, you to start it off with Chris Olave. Like, so, I mean, again, it's a little bit unfair to like place all the, like, I guess blame or whatever on him, but you're right. Like, like he doesn't have anything to make him exciting the way Drew Brees. Like when they remember when they drafted Brandon Cooks, it was like a big deal because he had Drew Brees throwing him the ball. I mean, like Drew Brees made players like Devery Henderson popular. You know what I mean? Like this just like it's stunning that Chris Olave went to Ohio State, now plays for what felt like one of the NFL's like new age blue bloods in the Saints, and that he was acquired because they did all these trades in the leader of the draft. And there's just like no pub about it. Like, like Jamison Williams gets more talk about him, you know, than Chris Olave does. And he plays for a team in a smaller right. market. Like that's wild to think about. Yeah, no, exactly. I have to agree. Jamison Williams, uh, as talented of a player he is, but he went to like the Detroit Lions, which is, you know, a, another team where they feel like they don't have um, as good of a quarterback or just a, even a, a mid-level quarterback. And right. And like, at least the Saints at the same time have a coaching staff that I believe is somewhat still put together, even without Sean Payton there. Right. right. And for the most part, it's still a lot of those position coaches and uh, but like, that's why I would think the Saints would still be getting more, um, I guess, of a highlight than, than the Lions, right? Like the Lions, I think they put together a pretty good staff, but like the Saints, top to bottom, have been a good franchise. Head coach, assistant coaches, everything in between has been phenomenal. So you'd think that like there's still be a lot of hype around the Saints because there's those same guys obviously coaching up the players. And, and for the most part, it is the same thing over there. So it is very interesting, but you're right. I mean, a wide receiver, like, I don't know what's going on with the Michael Thomas thing. I he talked yeah. about a player that you forget is even alive, and, and he Dude, was totally. the peak of what he could do as a receiver in the NFL. Right, setting the receptions record. I mean, was the most amazing thing we've seen in some time. Um, but then, like again, how the mighty fall. I just it's insane. They say you know any given season, you know, like life comes at you fast type thing. That's on another level. I mean, this man set a record that was held for I don't even know how long at this point, decades. Oh, dude. And then like that is you forget he's two what well, two, maybe three seasons, I think, away from it. And I couldn't tell you what's going on with him. I think he's still hurt and it's been years and he still can't find the field, but yet it hasn't been like it wasn't a, a knee replacement, it wasn't reconstruction right. of a body part type stuff. I mean, it was just like an it seemed like an ankle injury. And then just this ankle injury will not go away. And so they obviously had to pick someone like Chris Olave to help fill that role. Because I think at this point, they're like, we just need to roll like Michael Thomas doesn't exist and hope for the best. I mean, also like buried in the like Michael Thomas is maybe the, uh, like a, I'm glad that I, I kicked this off, but you landed the plane. Um, like because there was also like a contract, not contract, but like team dispute, like within this timeline of of him being absent was him not wanting to be there anymore. Like even that like it has been so long that that has like gone away. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy to think about um, to put in perspective how long he's been absent from the NFL again to just make things about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, do you know who Terrence Steele is? Uh, uh, yeah, Michael. he's the right tackle out of Texas Tech a couple years ago. Right. Uh, he went undrafted in 2020. Um, and so he's played two seasons for the Dallas Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. He has caught a touchdown more recently than Michael Thomas in the NFL. Dak Prescott has caught a touchdown more recently in the NFL than Michael Thomas. Um, so um, just, you know, crazy banana times. But um, so, again, you kind of um, wound up stealing mine because you made it better. Um, so this is our last one. Uh, we're eight, you know, eight things into our 10 things we forgot happened this offseason. So your last one, make it great. 
I don't think I'm going to make it great, but uh, we're just going to do it anyway. Uh, so this is another player that I was like, oh, he's there. That's, I guess, good for that team. Um, DJ Chark. Um, it kind of tied in. We were talking about the Jaguars earlier as well. We seem to be talking about Jaguars and the, and the, uh, the Detroit Lions for some reason. That's the theme for today. But uh, DJ Chark now is with the Lions. And, I mean, this is a guy that just a couple of years ago went for his first 1,000-yard season eight touchdowns um, in 2020, 706, five touchdowns. I mean, this guy is 6'4", flat-out racer speed. Um, I think he's a good young wide receiver. But again, uh, another player that seemed to be up and coming, hit an injury bug. He only played four games, four starts this past season, had just seven catches, two of them for touchdowns, 154 yards. But he had a hand fracture in August of 2021. The very next month, he fractured his ankle. So all of a sudden, this guy was just out of it for the whole year. Um, it wasn't there for... Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. I, I think that was a big deal. I think that he would have looked a little bit better uh, or Lawrence would have if, if Chark was there. Um, but lands in Detroit. I mean, all of a sudden you've got Josh Reynolds was in Detroit uh, last year. Amon Ross St. Brown looks really good um, as a rookie. And next thing you know, you add Sharks. So and then Jameson Williams, of all people. So you've got size. You've got speed. Whoever's throwing the ball, I'm assuming it is Jared Goff in, in Detroit for another season. They've got a really good group of young, high upside pass catchers. Um, I really like this move. I really like this pick uh, from you. I agree. Like back to the like very quickly, just take a step back. The reason the Lions, I think, have become like a little bit more like filled with attention is like if you're middle of the road, nobody cares. You either have to be very good or very bad to like garner our attention. And the Lions have fallen into the, lad the latter category. So now we're like really convincing ourselves. But beyond that, like on paper, it does make sense. Um, DJ Chark happened to have success um, at the same time that the Baby Shark song like entered the world, which is just like great timing on his behalf. Um, like, you know, great for like SEO purposes and stuff like that. So shout out to DJ Chark, of course. I You know who he reminds me of is a player that uh, went, like went from Detroit to Jacksonville actually like the, the the career trajectory of him rather um is Marvin Jones Marvin Jones was on I I still I would love to see like a 30 for 30 or something on the 2015 Bengals I feel like that team maybe was the best roster in the NFL and Andy Dalton you'll recall was balling out then had I think it was the pinky injury so. um th that like derailed that whole but that that team was loaded dude I mean they had AJ Green and Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu and Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard and Drake Kirkpatrick, like that whole defense was sick. Um, and I thought Marvin Jones was awesome. And he went to Detroit. And I thought that was so weird at the time. I was like, dude, you like you can cash in on this like relevancy. Why would you go to Detroit? And he was pretty solid for them. Um, so I think DJ Chark's on that trajectory. Like he's like, we've kind of touched on fantasy a little bit. He he will wind up being like a very, very quiet but solid wide receiver too to have in fantasy. But people will overdraft like like the Michael Gallops of the world over him and not get the same level of production. Like that's a great, great call by you. Yeah. I like him a lot. Uh, I, I, I didn't try to do this, but during that 2020 or 2019 season where he went for a thousand and eight, he was on my fantasy team that year. And I feel like I always got all these callbacks. Like um, these people, I guess, I guess you just, you know, unconsciously keep tabs on them throughout the NFL after they do well for you because you feel like a proud dad or something like that. With these guys. For sure. Um, but no, I absolutely love this. I mean, Jared Goff, as limited as he is as a quarterback, right? The whole joke was like, well, Sean McVay now has a quarterback who can throw it 20 yards past, you know, down the field finally instead of, uh, you know, employing Jared Goff. But I think this is the type of wide receiver core where I think you're going to look for a lot of yards after the catch. I think you're going to scheme up a lot of short drags and stuff to really scheme people open. I mean, guys like Chark, Will Williams can just take that thing and run around corners and pick up a lot of yak. So I just like what they're building. I always like in wide receiver groups to basketball teams, right? Power forwards, point guards, stuff like that. Um, as cliche as that may be these days, um, I've always kind of looked at it that way. 
I think they've got a good team. I mean, that's there's four pass catchers on this team. And obviously, we're not even thinking about TJ Hawkinson, who is a very talented young right. tight end. Shout out the University of Iowa. Um, I think they've got a great group going. If they can ever find an upgrade to Jared Goff, or if Goff can look somewhat decent, I, I think this offense is actually pretty dang good this year. I think we're all sort of rooting for the Goff glow up, right? Yeah. Like, it would, like, I mean, like it would be hilarious, like if the Lions won the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Because like Matthew Stafford had his moment, like yeah. that would be aw- that would be awesome. Like it, it, you know, like if it can't be the Cowboys this year, world make it the Lions. Mm-hmm. Like that would just be sick. Um, okay, well done. Um, my last one is not going to um, you know land this plane in a in a you know really great manner. But um, so for the last time to make this about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, when they moved on from Jason Garrett, it was their first time like having a true open-ended coaching search since 2007 because after they fired wade phillips they basically promoted jason garrett it was not really like a fair competition um so we were all really excited it was like okay take your time be methodical look under every rock right like you know make sure you get the dude they hired the first guy they interviewed in mike mccarthy right like so, so it's kind of like this was it like we waited 13 years for you to just like hire the first guy like that was kind of lame um and in a weird way um i i feel similarly about how the Pittsburgh Steelers handled Ben Roethlisberger's departure. Okay, like Ben Roethlisberger was a ghost of himself for the last couple of years. You should have moved on a long time ago. It didn't cost you the way it costed, say, the New York Giants holding on to Eli Manning. You were still somewhat competitive. You had good times. Great. But now is the time. Move on. Find a legit franchise quarterback. I know they drafted Kenny Pickett, so I know that that kind of like ruins the point I'm about to make. But the Steelers' big move after you know 15 years of Ben Roethlisberger was Mitchell Trubisky. You know, like that's just it's like in a world where franchise quarterbacks can be acquired through so many different methods. I just there's a little bit and and I think they have a right to to feel this way, but there's a little bit of arrogance there to, to be like, we can make it work with Mitchell Trubisky. I just I mean, you know, you, you either you're either a franchise that moves on from somebody and spins and spins and spins in obscurity or you get super lucky, like like my Cowboys drafting Dak Prescott, like your Chargers drafting Justin Herbert, and I, the, it feels like the Steelers are trying to be both, like they're they're trying to spin with Trubisky and also hoping that they 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 hit the lotto with Kenny Pickett. Right. Yeah. I think it's funny. I was just uh, scrolling on Twitter and there's some like editorial I just like, randomly uh, scrolled upon and it was, can Mitch Trubisky be better than he ever was with the Bears now that he's with the Steelers? Dude. And it was all dramatic. It was a nice piece of artwork on the front. And I was like, are we still talking about? Mitchell Trubisky, right? The guy who's, who's inside joke online is that he can only throw one direction, right? You know, only to his right. There's no left throw. Mm, shout out Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah right. shout out. So uh, I think it's kind of crazy. And I mean, I think Mike Tomlin deserves to be trusted to a degree, right? Like no, sure. no losing seasons, right? If he's confident it can happen, um, then, you know, I, I think we need to trust him. But this is still Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, he had a year or so behind Josh Allen in Buffalo and then Brian Dable. And I think like you can't just overlook maybe what he's been able to do since not being the starting quarterback. Well, I mean, there's a chance that he got better, but um, I always look back and I'm like, what does history tell us? You know, after off season and off season of, of being with the bears and Matt Nagy, who was supposedly supposed to be what he was coming from the chiefs to take over that franchise uh, never amounted to anything. I mean, I just, I'm going to go with what history tells us that Mr. Trubisky is not going to be that great. 
Um, he's probably going to be middling if at best. And I think a franchise like the Steelers, who were used to having a quarterback, you know, year in and year out, be one of the best in the NFL. I think if you get one season of Mitch Trubisky, I don't think he starts and plays the whole season, obviously, after picking a first round quarterback. But I think this franchise is going to be real quick to turn on whomever is passing the football um, if they aren't mm. up to standards, you know, almost immediately. And I think, you know, that comes with being a good franchise year in and year out. But um, I think the, the Steelers are going to have some growing pains. That's true. You don't want to be the guy who follows the guy, um, which is something that Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert have learned. Like, you, I mean, Herbert's a little bit different, but like Dak, people love to say like, well, Romo did this. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you're you're chasing shadows and it's impossible. Um, before Rachelle Awards and F double MVP, um, what would you take, Michael? Um, what like you got to pick one um, as far as what's large is my really awkward way of, of getting this out. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky starts in 2022. Or combined receiving touchdowns for Irv Smith Jr. and DJ Chark. Um, who like okay, so more starts for Trubisky or more combined receiving touchdowns. It's gotta be receiving. I don't want passing yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I don't want DJ Chark to throw one to Jamison Williams. That doesn't count. No, it's receiving touchdowns for the two of them. Those are your guys that you 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 fought for today. I mean, it almost sounds like a trick question because I feel like the easy money is is Chark and Irv Smith's combined receiving touchdowns more so than starts for Trubisky in, in Pittsburgh this year. I think that sounds very lopsided but maybe that's just me okay so you're taking your guys yeah. you're you're picking against mitch okay that's fair um rachel if you could join us now mf double mvp is up for grabs we do this every single episode um you've had some suspect ones you've handed out rachel i'll just say that that I'll is just, a lie that is a lie i'll just leave it there what were your favorite parts of the episode your not favorite parts mf double mvp the floor is yours rachel yes Michael, you came in swinging. Yeah. I think you set the tone with your very first pick. Like, it was phenomenal. So great job. Also, your pick on Anthony Lynn. Very, very strong. So shout out to you for that. Last time I forgot about you, RJ. So RJ, you did have some strong picks as well. Of course, always expected. Um, I think the Doug Peterson point was your your strongest. Hey. So, By the way, Rachel, you, you sound great. The mic sounds crisp this morning. So just so Did we have a problem with the mic before? I'm not saying that. I'm just, oh. look, I'm just saying she sounds really great today. I, she's, she sounds great she all the time. Michelle is, is like... queen of Monday Football Monday. That's, <laughs> you know, I just want that on the record, but go ahead. Thank you so much. So, drum roll, please. I'm going to have to give it to Michael. Wow. A triple, M or MF triple MVP, I guess. A Monday Football yeah. Monday Michael oh, most valuable player. Yes. I've never won wow. anything in my entire life. Holy <laughs> Please, please, please. That's How do you feel, Michael? Um, like, what, what, what's running through your mind right now? Um, first off, I would like to thank my parents for boarding me. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out to them, or else I wouldn't be here. Um, and you know, kind of like I, like I stated in the beginning, man, you, you got to trust the fundamentals. You kind of just, you know, say what's on your mind, keep it short. Um, my wife did pageants, and she said, keep all your answers to three sentences or less, and be sharp about it. Shout out, you, honey. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of trusted those things, and I, I guess it took me to the promised land. Here we are. Wow, you know what? We we get to see them all the time in our meetings, but like no cats. You didn't thank the cats. I was today. worried. So uh, RJ knows <laughs> I have cats with high anxiety, okay. and I'm surprised not one of them came in here and started screaming at me because it's just what they do. They don't want anything. Okay. They just want me to suffer alongside them. So that's the household. Aww. What are the cats? I have Sebastian yeah. and Sylvia. So oh, I have. Wow. If you want to know how much my wife loves our cats, we commissioned her uh -huh. brother, who's an artist, to draw um old timey family portraits but with cat heads and it's our cats on like suit and tie corset dress 
one guy, one that girl. Is so cute. Yeah. I, is this the brother who left the thing out that you had? Yes. Uh, you know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got pros and cons. So attention. He has attention to detail. It's just about his art and not my the okay. steel grill he was going to give me left out in the winter right. the whole time. So. Um, Rachel, I know we're both thinking it, so I'll ask. Um, yes. Because Michael, you're a millennial like us. Yep. Um, is Sebastian a Parks and Rec thing? Is that like no. where this is from? No, 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 actually not. Okay. Um, I don't even know where it came from. That's my wife's cat. Before we were married, she got him, I think, like five years ago. And then when we were in Savannah, Georgia, I adopted Sylvia on my own because she was at work. And I was like, I think I'm just going to get this cat because it's the best looking cat here. Um, its name was Mindy at the time, and I'm nah, just wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. We wanted, like, I don't know if it's true, but we were thinking like distinguished names, so like Sebastian, okay. and then like Sylvia just sounds kind of, I don't know, clean and like old timey. Mm -hmm. She probably dresses nice mm -hmm. back in the '70s. I don't know. She's like, probably, I can just see. She probably got beautiful whiskers. They're both because Sylvia's yeah. not not. She's not walking around with lame whiskers. Dude, they're they're both no. fluffy and beautiful. I okay. mean, just picturesque. Aww. Like, I wish one could walk in here and I'd throw them up, but they're probably yeah. doing something else. Um, my last thing before yeah. we leave, um, because nobody else has really ever agreed with me. So, Rachel, does Michael not look and sound like Baker Mayfield? I could see it when you came on and you first mentioned it. I was like, okay, all right, I give I'll it tell to you who I've gotten That's before, right. and so it hasn't been Baker Mayfield. And and usually I don't have like this is a long beard for me. Usually I like to keep it like five o'clock shadow type stuff, and I don't agree with these at all. But I've gotten them, so just hear me out. So one was Henry Cavill, which I'm like, stop it. Okay. So you're super. That man is beautiful. Right? Okay. Like we're not gonna do this. Like don't look me in my face this and tell is, me this that. Is the the least humble brag of all time, right? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because if I said it and it was just like you're dang right, I look like Henry Cavill. Like of course, thank you for that okay. compliment. I'm not gonna do. So that. that's one of them. Who are the, who are the um, other people? The other beautiful people you supposedly Stephen Amell like? from oh, Arrow. So all DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got okay. that one once, and that one I could kind of see depending on some angles, but again, not. Well, his hair is a little bit lighter. Yours is darker, yeah. but like if, if yeah, I could totally, I could see the the, the shape of things. Yeah. Okay. So those are the two. Who else I have you gotten? gotten? No, I, I don't think much um, else other than that. Um, I, the thing is, well, I Baker think. sucks compared to those two. I mean, right. Like, like, I feel yeah. Bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if you were trying to be offhand with that one too. I was just like, do I really like a Baker Mayfield, or you kind of stretch it? Just well, to, I didn't know that. Like, the that those are the two dudes you'd been compared to before. No. I mean, so you know, that's you, you get cool people. I get Ross from Friends. Like that's I mean, you know. Really? I get that all the time. Ross is more boring okay. than you. You are interesting. Go 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 look up season one Ross from Friends, Rachel. You'll see it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, you know. The homework. So um anyway. Uh Michael Peterson on Twitter at Zone Tracks. You can see him, hear him at Bolts from the Blue SB Nation's home for Los Angeles Chargers content. Michael, the final word belongs to you, and I would like you to direct it to Pete Sweeney, who is our resident Chiefs person oh, wow. here uh at the SB Nation NFL show. Tell him why the Chiefs suck and the Chargers rule, and then we fade into the abyss. All right, so this Go is going to be super biased, but I think Tyreek Hill, the loss of him is going to uh, really – like Keenan Allen kind of talked some stuff too about this, but when, once Tyreek Hill went to the Miami Dolphins, he was like, I think there's going to be some ex like, people exposed on, on the Chiefs. You know, like Patrick Mahomes, as great of a quarterback as he is, there's no more touchdowns within the five-yard line where he just tells Tyreek Hill to run from the left to the right side as fast as he can, and I'll just find that one window where you're open. There's not going to be plays anymore where you're just like, Tyreek Hill, do this one thing because you're faster and more athletic, and it's going to be an automatic touchdown. He's got Travis Kelsey. That's fine. But you're going to have to prove us a little bit more that you can run within the system and still score as many touchdowns, throw for as many yards without an, a literal cheat code like Tyreek Hill. I'm excited about it. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be bad, but I think it's going to be an interesting season in the AFC West. And Pete Sweeney sucks. Well said. Pete Sweeney sucks. Um, uh... <laughs>